Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. Are you a football club that is suffering a bad run of form? Do you need a feel-good win to bring back the good times? Do you want three points? Then come play Chelsea FC this 2021-22 season. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. Now, draft season, it's over, it's in the books. I know, I know, I'm gutted too. Uh, nothing to look forward to now, it's all hard knocks in, in August. But we are without birth tonight. I had no idea where this segue was going. I just wanted to rant about NFL. Uh, but 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 listeners, tonight an anticipated return, just like Tom Brady returned to Tampa Bay. It's Chris. Chris is back. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm good in myself. <laughs> um, sure. It's it's not great being a Chelsea fan at the minute, is it? Let's be honest. This last month has been awful. Not the best. I think that's very fair. Um, right. Before we came on air, we did have some breaking news. I, I call it breaking. More like journalists did a tweet. Could be true. Could be complete nonsense. We don't know. We really don't. But apparently Todd Bowley will not look to resolve the suspended partnership with three and will look for new, more profitable sponsors from the US in the summer. Obviously, this is according to Andreas Corsund. Uh Any thoughts on this one? Or shall I say three? Yeah, that was bad. Even for my standard, but... Any any thoughts on it? Um, I think we have to get rid of three after the way they've treated the club during this whole situation, to be honest. Uh, I don't think any fan is going to be sad to see them go. I don't think any fan was crazy about having the big three logo on the shirt to start with, let alone now with the way they've been. I do like uh, more minuscule logo. I think when it's a minuscule sponsor, it just makes a kit look better, though. I mean... yeah. Yeah, I saw a voice Yeah, I do agree with that. I think like that's why Samsung was always so good when it like, yeah. it just looked it looked clean on your kit. Yeah, uh, I just hope we don't become too American heavy, if you know what I mean. Like I know the 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 owners are probably going to be American and they'll want to be big over there, but I I don't think everything has to be American about us. I just. I- uh, See, yeah. I tweeted out earlier when I heard about this about I wouldn't be shocked. And it's an opinion. It, it's well, yeah, it's a thought process. It's not I don't have any information in my back pocket or a source. It's just a genuine thought with how Liverpool and now apparently Atletico are looking at crypto firms. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the future in general for sponsorships. I mean, of course, that bubble will burst. I mean, it kind of always does. And there's the next set of sponsorships that come in. it, And yeah. But I, I, I think cryptocurrency firms could be more seen on shirts, especially the Premier League clubs going forward, especially now that I think gambling sponsors are being phased out. Yeah. So Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked about that. I just, to be fair, as long as the logo looks all right, I think that's the main thing. I don't think it really matters. I don't think fans in general care who the shirt sponsor is. It's all how it looks on the shirt. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and if I think the talks with Liverpool, it's going to be one of the biggest sponsorship packages ever, like in terms of revenue. So it's 
I understand. I mean, I think at the moment there's some. I think it's just general sponsorship, but not on their shirts. And that's. I think you've got a Toro. I think that's got like Villa, Everton, Palace, Spurs, or yeah. so. And it's just sort of that. But I think soon it will be on the front of your kit. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm not surprised though, because obviously certain sponsors chose not to suspend their dealings with Chelsea, whilst others did. Yeah, I, I don't think people are, all well, the fans are very happy with three. So, yeah, we'll have to see on that. Things that we're also not happy about, uh, we travelled up to Merseyside to take on Everton. And I'll, I'll just cut the nonsense. 1-0 um, defeat. Azpilicueta made a mistake. Richarlison punished us. I, I've, I've never been so frustrated watching a game because this side beat Juventus and Real Madrid with top-tier performances. And yet we've lost to Arsenal, drew to United, and now this. Uh, oh, my word. Help me out. I, I saw the narrative of people talking about this charity FC sort of thing. And you start to think, I hate when those sort of words get brought up. But wow, we do give away points to the sides that we really should be beating. Yeah, and we've been doing it for a long time. Like, before, even before Tuckle. Mm, mm. we've become synonymous with handing points to poor teams um, I think I don't, again, it was another game where I wasn't shocked that we lost it e anyone who asked me in the week I, I, I kept saying Everton will beat us 1-0 um, mm. you could just see it coming and after about 15 minutes when you could see how we was playing, you thought, yeah, this will either be nil-nil, an, an absolute drab nil-nil, or it'll be a 1-0 defeat. And it turned out to be the latter. And, you know, Azpilicueta did make a massive mistake for the goal, but that only cost us a draw. Mm. People are talking like it cost us three points. Well, it didn't, because you take his mistake away, we still didn't win the game mm. against a team that was in the relegation zone. Yeah. It's, not, it's yeah. not good enough. It's just so frustrating because, I mean, maybe maybe we are safe, maybe we're not in that top four, but it's just so bad. I mean, that's four performances in a row that, for various reasons, have just been quite frustrating, embarrassing maybe to watch. I mean, somehow going into next season, we're going to have an entire back line that we don't recognise because two of them are going for free. It's going to be a brutal summer. I mean... I, 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 we're going to have to buy at least two defenders. I know you're going to, people are going to say you got Chalibur. True. We've got Colwell. Is he ready? Maybe. Maybe he is. I, I mean, who knows? But we're going to have to have at least one major sign-in and potentially two defenders. And then we've got the upfront situation, which, hey, we'll get to that. But yeah, that, that defensive back line, is it? Do you think Rudiger's head is still with it? Because he looked like Frank Lampard's Rudiger against Everton, not Tuckles. No, I actually don't. I, against Man United as well, I thought it was the same. I thought he's still he's still playing well. I don't think he's he he looks like he doesn't care. I I, I mm. wouldn't put that I wouldn't put that tag on him. But I don't think the same intensity is there. And I think that that will happen when you know that you're leaving because really he'll care about the result of the game while he's in it but not the long-term aims of the club because he's not going to be there. So that 
that intensity and that sort of fire that you get is gonna is gonna die off a bit. And I, I think that's the danger when you've got so many players who were having to play who aren't going to be there long term. Yeah, I mean that's and, and look, we, he's one of our best players, and he's going to be leaving for free. It's it's a dreadful situation, but it, it is what it is, really. Um, it would be very interesting, as I said, in the, in the summer to see what, what we do. Uh, a positive, Loftus-Cheek, he, he was the best player out there for me and one of the only ones interested in getting that ball forward. Uh, how I've been impressed with him lately and I, I like to say when it was like the Kepa renaissance, you, you've made it. I'd say Loftus-Cheek has sort of earned his place in that 11 at the moment, but how have you felt on the Everton game with him, but also previous yeah, I think he's been really. I think he's been really good. I agree with you. I do think he was our best player in the in the Everton game, and I think he's been one of our best players in the last few weeks. Every time he's played, I think that's he's... it. He's got player of the season, hasn't he? Now, <laughs> well, here yeah. we go. Here we go again. Um, yeah, he looked. He looks strong. He looks confident. <laughs> he offers. Which he always has, I think, anyway, to our team. I think I thought it under under Sarri as well that he offers something different to our other players. He he likes those driving runs uh, and one v one situations. He likes to be a man. The only time in the entire game we opened Everton up was when he beat his man in midfield, because that is something that we do not do enough. We do not beat a man and. When you don't have players who beat a, who beat a defender, it causes the the team that you're playing can stay in their shape and just mark their men. As soon as he beat that player in midfield, someone else had to move, and then it opened up space for other players. And that was the only time in the game that that happened. And that is the biggest thing I think we miss since Edin Hazard left. You can take out Hazard's goals and, and assists, and obviously that are the obvious things that you miss. But the main thing we miss about Hazard was he'd always beat a man. And every time he beat a man, it caused another defender to move, which then gave space to other players. We don't have that now. And I can back that up with the actual stat. I, I looked it up. <laughs> Loftus-Cheek is our highest ranked player for most dribbles completed in the Premier League this year. Wow. Do you know do you know where he ranks in the Premier League as a whole? Oh man, I feel like I should go hyperbole and go top ten, but top twenty maybe? Sixtieth. Whoa, okay, that's not good to hear. <laughs> we haven't got a player inside the top fifty for dribbles completed this year. Wow. In the Premier League. That's why. We struggle against teams who sit in and defend because we don't open them up. There's no one to unlock the door. Everyone thinks it's about having this creative midfielder who can find passes, which, of course, partly it is. We've all said that about Fabregas and missing that type of player. But if you yeah. haven't got anyone who wants to take a player on, d- defending's easy because everyone just marks their man. And we play everything in front of defences and then we make it so easy and we make some of the worst defensive teams in the league look outstanding yeah oh well you're not wrong i mean it's it's just uh, the whole game i was watching i just thought i don't and it's it's not it doesn't mean to be this negativity but i just thought i don't enjoy watching this 
it's it's not it's not you know even when sometimes you lose a game but it's you know you still come away going but you know we we were on we at least I know it's not the point you didn't if you didn't get a point or three points you still lost whatever but you, you at least you saw what the team were potentially able to do in this one it just felt no you know and Havertz has been great in previous games but he, he just deserves some criticism in this game because you know he, he did get wound up by Yerry Mina and I almost think that if that was Lukaku we've got to bring the name up but if he if it was Lukaku in that position needed that sort of performance for the whole 90 minutes we'd be very upset you know as a an entire I'm sure the majority of us would be very upset and um, so we have that, to do yeah you know yeah that that's all you would have seen on Twitter after mm. the game if you give Lukaku Kai Havertz performance, the only thing you would have seen is people moaning about his overall performance and then screenshots of the header that he missed. Because Kai <laughs> Havertz, because yeah. the header that Kai Havertz missed is a sitter. You know, people talk about Lukaku's against Real Madrid. That's just as bad. It's a free header, 11 yards out, and he misses the target. Mm. It, it, it's exactly the same situation. And the, and the Kai Havertz thing has proved my point, really, that when Kai Havertz was going on that good run of form and everyone said, I'll oh, see, it's Lukaku, that's why we don't play well, it's it, it's all down to Lukaku, it's got nothing to do with service because look at Havertz, he's scoring, he had a good run of form. And now mm. that run of form's over, it's the same problem again. How many chances is he getting? He got one against Everton, which he should have scored, but that's the only chance he had. Against Man United, he had a couple which he should have done better with. But he's not getting chance after chance after chance. And I think before the Man United game, I think the three games before that, he'd had one shot in three games. Mm. So there's obviously a problem there. Again, with the way we attack, there's no plan. And people can people can back Thomas Tuchel to the hill, but the facts are there and they're staring you straight in the face. There is no plan of how we attack. Absolutely mm. zero game plan. It's like we have a, a, a good setup and a good tactical understanding of how to defend and how to play with the ball. And then he yeah. just says to the attackers, go do what you want. Mm. And there's, uh, no, uh, mm. there's no coaching. There's no understanding of what we're trying to achieve, what areas we're trying to get into. It's you lot just go and do what you want and we'll hope that your individual quality wins us the game. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I'm going to stress this because I know some people interpret things differently and that's fine um i like thomas tuckle um, that statement i like thomas tuckle i have no issue with him and i hope he stays for a long time and he does become our, our dynasty manager you know but what i what point do we question his offensive tactics that's what i'd like to put out it's not you know oh tuckle out no 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 not at all far from it but you have to, as every manager does, and we all get criticised in our day-to-day -day lives and jobs, and, you know, that's, that's standard. You know, it's even if you're very good at something, the top chefs get criticised on their food or some feedback where they're like, you could have improved there. There's nothing wrong with that. It's constructive criticism, as I see it. No one has exactly glowed individually in the team. I mean, Mason Mount, clearly, but still. It, surely it's not a coincidence that not a single offensive player has sort of improved you know it, Lukaku's got to be brought into that I mean he's he's not helped himself we know we've been over this oh, so many times but 
we it just feel like we're not even remotely playing to our forward line strengths. And then we're overcompensating for our defenders' weaknesses, who in turn have turned around and we know where they've gone. You know, Christensen and Rudiger out the door. So um, Aspicueta potentially, he's got Alonso potentially heading to Barcelona. I tell you what, if Barcelona are really going to go with Alonso, Christensen, Aspicueta right now, it's very defensive uh, error prone there. But hey, uh, what do you think? There's a lot. Uh, which what what's wrong with the offensive tactics? That's what's blowing my mind because we just don't look like we can score. I think the the main problem we have offensively is twofold. I think when we have the ball in relatively comfortable possession, Thomas Tuckle hates people giving the ball away. And you can see that every game. Mm. We've seen it numerous times with Jorginho, with Kante, with... Uh, Chalaba when he plays sometimes because he's quite loose on the ball. We've seen it with all those players that they give the ball away, a simple pass, they give it away, and Thomas Tuchel berates them from the sideline. There was a game a few weeks ago with Marcus Alonso where he did it, when Marcus Alonso gave the ball away, and he absolutely berated him from the sideline. Timo Werner, the same, had that treatment. If your manager hates you giving the ball away that much, all you'll ever do is pass it to the nearest person. So you will never, ever get berated because I'd, I'm never giving the ball away, boss. I'm just... It's like our players are more concerned with coming off the pitch, having a 100% pass completion rate than actually affecting the game. And I think that comes from the manager. He makes our players scared to give the ball away because if you give the ball away too many times... You either won't play or you get subbed off. Now, if, which I agree with, if it's players, if if our players was trying to play these simple five-yard passes, like we do see a lot, and they're giving the ball away all the time, then I agree, take them off, because they're having a shocker. But if they're trying passes through the lines, or they're trying passes in between defenders, trying to get attackers into goal-scoring positions, and they're giving the ball away, I don't see a problem with that. If it's no, a low, yeah, if it's a low percentage pass and they give it away, then you almost expect it. If it's a high percentage pass and they give it away, then it's unacceptable. And outside of that, I think another one of our major problems is when we win the ball back, our first pass is always backwards or sideways. Mm. We never, ever turn the ball straight into our forward line. It's always keep ball first and then we allow the opposition to filter back into shape and then we try the same pattern of play that we do over and over and over again, going from the middle of the pitch to the left, back to the middle, to the right, for either Reese James to attempt to cross, for Alonso to just keep coming backwards all the time, or for working a little triangle on the left-hand side for Rudiger to have a shot from 40 yards, which he does <laughs> every single game. I know it's a bit of a joke with Rudiger, the fact that he has a shot from there every single game, but that shows the lack of ideas from us. The fact that we get him into that position every single game, and if you watched our games in black and white, you wouldn't know the game had changed. That shows that we're not doing anything different. We are just doing the same thing every single week and hoping that the results better. 
and it's not at the minute. And until and then after the game, Thomas Tuchel saying, "If I knew what the problem in attack was, I'd change it." Does not fill me with any confidence at all because if he can't look at our attack and understand what the problem is, then we have got a problem. Because the easiest way to 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 fix this is to give our players more license to give the ball away, in by playing lower percentage passes, or when telling making the players understand that when we turn the ball over, your first pass has to be forwards. You have to get that ball into a, an advanced midfielder or one of our forward players and try and exploit the very little space that the opposition have left the few times that they do step out and play. That's what Liverpool and Man City do so well. Every time Liverpool win the ball back, their first pass or their first thought is always, let's put the ball forwards. The player who wins the ball dribbles forward or they pass it forward. They never play backwards and sideways and allow the opposition to get back into shape. Yeah, I remember a few games ago where Jorginho, gosh, was it? I think it was against Real Madrid, where we... It was in extra time and he paid a sideways pass instead of going forward and it was like 90... It, sorry, it was in extra time of extra time. Yeah. And it's played, just like, oh, yeah, oh, we need to get that ball forward. And I know it's yeah. not a long ball, but it it, it is... I, to be fair, watching the game, I did think if we had a prime hazard, which would have been lovely, but if we'd have had him, he would have probably made a moment of magic. We had this previous years where... Um, West Ham, when he did that goal, you know, and he scored one similar against Arsenal. He has, you, you need players with moments of magic. And it is amazing when these magic moments happen, but you can't rely on them. And you need a whole, that's why Liverpool are so good. And that's why Man City yeah. is so good. And arguably they're going to be in the Champions League final because yeah. they're the best teams in Europe because they play well, they attack well, their defence is solid. Um, <laughs> to be fair, we're not like... near that yet. <laughs> No, I would say as well to um, to sort of back Tucker because everyone, especially people on Twitter, seem to think that I've got this massive vendetta against him, which I haven't. Um, to back him, I would say he is suffering from not having a hazard. Mm. That X factor player who can win you these games. Because that, because let's face it, Savvy's football wasn't a lot better but we still had Hazard who would do something magic in a game that would make you almost forget about the result, um, forget about the performance because you get the result and you remember that moment of brilliance and it makes the game seem better than it was or the performance seem better than it was. So Tuchel is suffering from that, not having that player. But at the same time, are you an elite level coach if you rely on having one player to win you a game? I would say you're not now. I think yeah, coaching's I think coaching's evolved now. I think Klopp and Pep have evolved it now to a point where, like you just said, you don't have one player. You don't have one X Factor player anymore to win your games. You have three or four players who will score goals, make goals and win your football matches. That's the difference between them and us. Um the last three games if I judged it on that sample size, now it's a whole, there's a reason there's 38 games to a season and that's how it's decided where you finish. But the last, it's a bad run of form. Okay, let's, if it is, good, we'll turn it around. But if we judged it on the last few Premier League games, that's not a Champions League level club. You know, it's a hard truth that I don't like, but it's almost a fact when you read 
the results, the stats, and also if you, you know, watch them, it's like, oh, you know, I really hope we don't finish fifth, but I'm starting to believe it's a strong possibility. I, I mean, we flirted with fifth last year, but this year we, we could be married with a family to the Europa League because forget the flirting. We're, we're seriously, I mean, we, we, we got away with it last season because of the fact that one, uh, Leicester failed with Spurs. And also we won the Champions League. So if, if it had gone, oops, in the Premier League, it wouldn't have mattered because we'd have been in the Champions League anyway as the champions. Brilliant. This year, though, we could finish fifth. I mean, is we need we probably won't. But uh, do you think we will finish top four? I think we'll finish top four because Arsenal and Tottenham play each other. Oh, uh, I know. I, I thought that as well. I did think that, and was like, that, that's not great. Yeah. That means at least one or both of them is going to drop some more points. I mean, they'll probably end up dropping more points than that because, let's face it, they're no great shakes either, Arsenal and Tottenham. But yeah. I, what I don't understand is, is that at the start of the season, everyone was talking about winning the league. And then uh, at Christmas, it was like, OK, so the league's gone. That's pretty disappointing. But there was caveats to it. The COVID situation, a few injuries, OK. Our title challenge was over, and I would have been sat here now, perfectly acceptable of that. Going into the FA Cup final, I'd have thought, okay, the title challenge was disappointing, but there's a foundation to build on. If mm -hmm. we were sat in third, comfortable. But to go from we should win the league to, oh, we're probably not going to win the league, to now sat here in May talking about we could still finish fifth, behind Mikel Arteta's Arsenal isn't good <laughs> enough. And I will stand by that statement that this season now has become a disappointment. And if we finish below Arsenal, you can forget about getting top four. If we, Even if we get top four, but we finish below Arsenal, then that is a horrendous league campaign. Because Arsenal, because no one's talking about Mikel Arteta being the best manager in the world. No one's talking about, oh, let's sign, well, I'd love these Arsenal players in our team. Because their team is rubbish. Our squad is much better than Arsenal's. And it's definitely better than three points better off at this stage of the season. And that's why this league season for us has been such a failure. I mean, it's so frustrating because we were expecting the title. I mean, at least a challenge. I, I, I'm not going to pretend that even if we were in, we hadn't lost Chilwell and Lukaku was scoring, it would still be very hard to, you know, get yeah, that title yeah, like Liverpool and City because they just, <laughs> you think, oh, this is going to be a difficult game. And they, just, they win, they win. Liverpool, they're playing Newcastle. That's not an easy game anymore. That there was a win. I mean, it was 1-0, but it's a win. It's a win. And I think that what will happen with that, I think it will be City's title because both teams will win every game to the end of the season. Exactly. Might because not be, but hey. I think that too. I think those two clubs now have set the bar so high that, of course, winning the league is going to be incredibly difficult because you're not trying to catch one of these teams. You're trying to catch both. So you're almost hoping that both of them have terrible seasons to try and catch them, really. Um, so winning the league is going to be very difficult. Challenging it for it, though, isn't, I don't think, personally. I think, you know, you look at, they've stopped getting to the point now where they're getting 
99 points every season. That would have been impossible to even challenge for the league. And I would perfectly be acceptable of that. If they're getting 99 and 98 points every year, then yeah, I'd say even challenging for the league is unrealistic. Yeah, and not... they can only get 95 and 94 this year. <laughs> yeah, which they put, which they, again, they probably will. Yeah. But then you're thinking, okay, that's come down over the last couple of seasons. So over the next couple of seasons, it'll probably come down again and we'll get back to between 89 and 92, those sort of marks. So then challenging for the league come April is still doable. Having 80 to 83 points in April isn't overly unrealistic, I don't think, or overly ambitious, to be honest. Um, But our failures this season have been partly down to COVID and they've been partly down to injuries, but they've been partly down as well to the fact that Thomas Tuchel hasn't improved a single one of our footballers, which hasn't helped. Like you said, have any of our have any of our attackers got better under Thomas Tuchel? No. You could argue Mason Mount, but he was on an upward trajectory anyway. So you can't categorically say it's down to Tuchel. Same way you can't categorically say it isn't. But mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't categorically say it is because Mount is going to continue to improve. Same with Reese James. He's better this season than last season. Is that down to Tuchel or is that down to just his natural progression as a player? It's difficult to say. Of the more senior players who you look at and think, right, that's where you're looking at a coach, can he improve these players? He hasn't improved a single one of them. I think Jorginho's worse this season than last season. Kante's no better than he's ever been. ZX's worse than the Ajax one, definitely. Pulisic is worse than the one under Frank Lampard. Lukaku looks like an absolute shadow of him. You know, um, Werner's not improved. Havertz hasn't improved, not consistently. He's had a good spell. And which everyone will go on about, but over the course of the season, has he been that good? Not really. He's been about as good as he was last year. Mm. None of these players are getting any better. And that that's that's my point against the coach. Everyone's saying back in with signings, which I get, but he's even said it himself. To to think that a new owner's gonna come in and give him six or seven new players is unrealistic. So he's gonna be working probably with a squad next season, which is worse than this one. And if he can't get top four with this one, his one next year could be worse. So I, I don't think. I mean, I must admit, I, I'm I'm optimistic at the best of times, but I would be. I, I don't think that we're going to be in for a title challenge next season, purely yeah. because okay. the reason I've got that thought is because we're going to need two centre backs. And then we're going to need another one when Thiago Silva does eventually leave, which is another season away. But that's, hey, another story for another day. But players don't just bed into a team and hit the ground running. I know it does happen. It does happen because you Liverpool, you can argue that and you're spot on. It does happen. Not always, though. The chemistry and all that sort of thing might work over the pre-season. We could be laughing this time next year going, hey, look, we signed whoever we did in the summer defender-wise. Wow, well, look at what we're we're accomplishing. I hope so. But I think next season, realistically, top four again. <laughs> I think that's where yeah. I'm seeing it. Uh, I, I can't wait for the postseason content that we've got because I just love that time. Speculation and enjoying and different bits and positivity. And there's no World Cup this year. There is, there is, but it's not in the summer. So that's upsetting. But it's going to be an interesting end. Well, well, go on. If you think about it, though, like... So even if a new owner did come in and say, said, here's 200 million, that's what you've got to spend. That's your 
That's your transfer budget for the summer. Mm-hmm. That probably gets you your two starting centre-backs that we need with a little bit left over for maybe a decent, maybe one of those players who you signed for relatively low fee who could turn out to be great, but if they don't, they'll still be a good squad player. One of those sort of players. That's probably all it gets you. Then if Alonso leaves, what are we doing there? And if Jorginho leaves, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. If Lukaku does leave, what are we doing? If Werner decides that he wants to leave, what are we doing? Pulisic doesn't seem happy. What, what about if he says that he wants to leave? I don't think people are realising that we're not under Abramovich anymore. These players, if they decide now might be a good time actually to move on, they probably will. And then we'll be replacing them with either youth team products or relatively low-cost signings. And before you know it, that's that's how Liverpool got to finish in seventh and eighth for so mm-hmm. many years. They they sell their top players or the top players left and they kept replacing them with players who were slightly worse. And every time someone left, they replaced them with someone who was slightly worse. And that's how you drop right down the league. And my point is with the, the Thomas Tuchel thing is I'm not saying don't back him and I'm not saying sack him either. What I am saying is we have to be 100% certain that he is the right man to lead this sort of rebuild because he could realistically be working with a squad that is so much worse than the one we have now next season. And if he can't get top four or really struggles to get top four with this squad, what would he do with one that's worse? Uh, This summer, players are leaving on a free maybe we'll get one on a free i mean I'm, I'm i know there's two in my mind that kind of do work in a way um both bundesliga you've got john brooks who's at wolfsburg he's out of contract i don't think he's signed an agreement with anyone yet and the I, one where I, yeah that's true um he's a good player actually but there's one that i think he hasn't signed a pre-contract and it was rumored he already had he hadn't uh gladbach's matthias ginter i would be Seriously, I mean, I know I don't know how it works at the moment. Can we unofficially talk to people? Can we not? It's a bit. Hopefully, that gets sorted once um, the deal's through. They've got, I think, seven days for this exclusivity talks. But I would be doing my best to get Ginter in because I think he could be a great replacement. You know, twenty-eight. I, I, I like him. We'll see. And then obviously spend on a defender, whoever yeah. we sign. So I think. It, it, if you do want, if you do want a positive take from me, which is I know people keep, <laughs> it, it's it's rare. It is a good summer to have new owners coming in who might not throw money at you because the free agent market this summer is actually really good. Mm. I know, uh, yeah, I know they're never free because they they want a bigger agents fee and a bigger signing on bonus because they know you're not paying anything for them. Mm-hmm. But in terms of saving on transfer fees. The free agent market this summer is is stacked. So there could be some good deals to be done there, which could massively help us and really save us. From yeah, for sure. A, a, and a, that, a bad summer. Yeah, that will be post-season content for certain. We'll be looking through all those, the ones that haven't signed agreements. Um, I mentioned one, obviously, last week, uh, Amos Piper. He's also expiring his contract as this summer. So 
that's why I think we've probably had a peak if that's potential. But yeah, uh, with that though, we've we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you do not already follow us. We were very positive there. There was no no tuckle out. We're not tuckle out. We're just simply saying what we potentially feel needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done, etc. But yeah, you can find us on there. Uh, we'll be back for that weekly catch up with all of you on Friday evening. So till then, and that is us signing off. <laughs>